from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report. It's 2024, our first new show. What, James? It's not 2024? No, I was shaking my head in disbelief that (laughs) that we're already in 2024. We're already in 2024. I hope you've survived the holidays. I think, you know, beyond the Instagram, it's a traumatic period for pretty much everybody, (laughs) right? You know what? I I survived 2023 at all is amazing. So 2024 can only get better in my estimation. That's right. That's right. And um, that, of course, is the lovely dulcet voice of James St. James. Um, And uh, also joining us, our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. Hi, it's Tom Campbell. And I just want to say I'm a little suspect of people who are like, Thank God 2023 is over. We've been saying that since like 2016, people. You've got to, you've got to eat the joy. Are you coming for me three minutes into the show? Are you? <laughs> Happy is, New is Year. Started? Happy New Year, James. Was 2023 a particularly bad year? I mean, everyone was saying, I can't wait to see the end. Of, but there wasn't a pandemic, you know, like. Strike for personally, some people. Personally, I had a lot of, I had right. a lot of bad moments in 2023. Strike. Not including breaking my arm and being incapacitated <sighs> for six months. So. No, I totally forgot about that because it was all yes, my fault. I lost. I lost some family members. Yeah. It was it was not a good year for me. Yeah. So so back That's off. Fair. All right. That's fair. Um and of course Blake Jacobs is here, our producer. Um hi. Oh, hi. So we're gonna count down the top 10 things and make us go wow. And we're gonna do what we normally do, which is start at number 10. Tom. Number 10. I went out to the movies, which in itself is is just talk newsworthy enough for me. Um, my Pilates instructor, David, had told me he had seen it and liked it. It's a movie I never would have seen, but I was home uh, for Christmas, and I have a nine year old nephew. And it seemed with my with the recommendation we should go see Wonka. Oh, which James has said, told me a lot about because James is very very pointed in in in, in, in that the promo no music and yet. It's a musical. And then Timothy Chalamet was recently on a Saturday Night Live and he kind of did a really great job. So he's kind of bright in my, my mind. And then I realized I've never seen Dune. I don't want to see Dune. There's a you new Dune. To. You don't need to. I Dune don't like, coming this year. Yeah, I don't like, I've said this before, I don't like future movies that are set like Star Wars in deserts, dirty. It's like, won't we won't we have goggles and things to make things feel nicer than they are, even if they are like that? Anyway, the Wonka <laughs> review is two chocolate thumbs up. Oh. Enjoyed it. It's got a pretty um, fabulous cast. And Timothy Chalamet is so charming. Is I, he? I, I, no, he is charming. He's a, he's, a, he's a beautiful boy and he is a talented actor. But do we did we really need a prequel to uh, a movie that's already been done three times? I was just saying there's no well when the IHOP commercial with the purple pancakes came on, you know. I was just saying I cannot. There's not another movie I want to see least than this movie. Yeah. I, I I went out of odd circumstances, but I I saw the original Willy Wonka, which I think is holds up and is pretty cool. I I never saw the Johnny Depp one. I'm not. I have nothing bad to say about Johnny Depp. Johnny, if you're listening, I could be your friend, but I just don't give a shit about Johnny. You know, I don't like him as a pirate overacts me. So I have not been over Willy Wonka. And Timothy Chalamet, it's a sweet story. It's told in a sweet way. And I realized I really haven't seen Timothy Chalamet in anything except for Call Me By Your Name. And then I had to remember, I had to Google, what did he do with the peach? Because I was like, because now I'm thinking about Saltburn and the idea that they're licking. You were looking away during the peach scene? In- no, I watched, but I'd forgotten. I know my feelings about it. I remember mm-hmm. loving, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Army, what's his name? Oh, we aren't allowed to love no, 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 we aren't allowed to love Army Hammer anymore. I did then. I remember loving him then. I'm talking about feelings, people. And I remember there was the thing, and I remember there was, you know, ejaculate, and I couldn't remember if he ate it or not. And I found out in the book he ate it. And then I just thought, you know, Willy Wonka, is it a, who, who's the author of Willy Wonka? It's a- Old Doll. 
Yes, and he also wrote James and the Giant Peach. Who's yeah. also... Oh, oh, ding, 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 ding. So there's a lot of peach. I think there should be a James and the Giant Peach with Timothy Chalamet. Um, but I also think there's a Roald Dahl moment, James, right? In that he was sort of uh, anti-Semitic, I think, and um, has been generally cancelled. Well, in fact, wasn't there a big thing like with Agatha Christie where they went through and redacted all of his books uh, because there's some uh, language? Agatha that... was a man? What? Agatha was a man? No, Nathan, no. Yeah. You guys. Okay. Agatha Christie's books have all been redacted and updated in a way that infuriates authors because they the, her language does not go, fly in 2021. There's lots of uh, right. J words and N words and yes, things like right. that. Okay. Whereas the same can be said of Roald Dahl, whose books all just came out again in America, heavily changed. Oh, really? Oh, they got redacted. Okay. Well, Wonka is an original... And there it is, is more attuned to today's sensibilities. Yes, because it it, it reads as racist and, and anti-Semitic. And there's a big, you know, problem with if you're dead and you're an author and somebody goes in, if if after you die, somebody goes in and changes screen age, it's it's wrong. I mean you screen, excuse me, screenage. Screenage. <laughs> But, 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 wouldn't, but wouldn't you be furious in in heaven? I would, but I would be dead. Bar? So um, you know, yeah, you I should be so lucky bar. that someone wants to reread it, let alone rewrite it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm sort of an originalist in that sense. I don't but, like the idea that that people are changing my. I agree, my but Wonka, this is a prequel that Roald Dahl did not write, right? Right. Correct. Correct. And it rolls, it really rolls into, as I've read, the original one. It really sets that whole myth up. And um, it's beautifully sung. Um, um, Hugh Grant. Are there, are there any songs? Are there any songs that will stand the test of time and will still be singing? I, I don't know about that because my mind doesn't work as well. But and they and they they did bring back um the Oompa, magic. Loompa. That that comes back and it's so good. And that's all my nephew was singing the next day. It's it's the hit. It's the hit remix but but you know there are a couple politically incorrect by today's standards and i don't care which is hugh grant plays an oompa loompa which you know he's made short and he's so good at it he's so mean and so fabulous and keegan michael uh, key of key and peel um plays the sheriff who gets bribed with chocolate by this whole chocolate you know like uh, opec kind of thing and so big, he big gets, chocolate yes he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so there's a lot of of size jokes and also um um the fabulous uh, uh, Olivia Coleman is in it as the oh, mean lady. So I mean, and 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 who played the butler in in um, Downton Abbey? It's just full of just great actors. Oh, I love him. Yeah, no, he was the gay one, the gay butler. Not not Tom. No, the stuffy one, Mister Something or Other. Oh. Mister Walmsley or Mister. I'm quite Jim sure. Carter. Jim Carter was his name. Matt oh. Lucas is in it as one of the meanies. Um, Lucas, the porn star? No, from um, a, a Little Britain. Oh, who also has some politically uh, incorrect things going on. But <laughs> but but, but uh, I think I've got no no chance to convince you. But if you're if you're at the multiplex and you got a chance, go see. All right, I love I it. Will it's it's available for rental on um, uh, Vudu now, so you can rent it for fourteen ninety five for four days. All right, so we're going to move on now to number nine, another hot in theaters uh, item from uh, James. Number nine. I saw The Color Purple in the movie theater, and I I. loathed every minute of it. Can I tell you? Well, first of all, Fantasia is brilliant. Fantasia is fantastic. She's always fantastic. Taraji B. Henson is a revelation. She is spectacular. She is so good as the role of Suge Avery. Now, there are two problems that I have with it. Number one is that I had never seen the original Color Purple movie. I'd never read the book, and I'd never seen the Broadway play. So I didn't know the story. I don't know anything about it going into it. And there was an assumption on the part of Oprah and Steven Spielberg that everybody knows everything about this movie and everybody's a fan. So the plot points were not spelled out for me. I didn't 
three-fourths of the time I was completely lost because so often the a plot point would just be sung and like instead of like banging on it and telling us how what was changing. So I didn't understand anything that was going on and I didn't know who any of the characters were. I had I kept saying, is that the one Oprah was? Is that the one Whoopi was? Like I had no idea. Now the other problem is that there is a dictum in musical theater that you only sing when words are not enough. When the emotion is running so high that talking won't do, you have no choice but to sing your emotions. And they don't follow that in this. This has about 50 songs. And it's like, I'm walking outside and I see a bird. And I feel like the color purple because I'm warm inside. And like it's like, she just they just start singing every three minutes and it's so boring and it's like song after song after and it's like, it oh. like an opera that it's all sung well no it isn't but but they just have they stuff it with too many songs they just do i'm sorry and another thing was i thought we were in the 1860s and then all of a sudden it's like the 1920s and then it's like the 1930s and then it's the 1940s and then it's the 1950s then it's like the 80s and 90s and 2010s no, it doesn't it go that never far. stops the 1947 is the end 1947 i thought it, it was 2017 it is a little down to abby in that the years pass but no one gets that much older no, and, that, and that's it too. Like that, that we're supposed to watch Fantasia go from being like a fourteen-year-old to a fifty-nine-year-old, and she's the same one. The author. I'm very sorry. They I'm had a younger sorry. actress playing a young Fantasia, to be fair, and they had a young actress playing her sister. So, Tom, does it mean that you loved it? I, I'm still, I'm full of it in a in a really kind of good way, and I acknowledge James and I respect James' <laughs> point of view. I have to say. I saw the original movie and I saw it again recently and it is, has such you a saw the Broadway movie. version. So you knew no, no, you no, I want to talk the movie, the actual movie. Oh, but and you have seen the Broadway version. I'm getting there. I saw the actual movie and I saw the movie again on Turner classic movies and it just vibrates with you. And Whoopi plays it so differently because it's not a musical and it's all of this silence and this bottled up and the expressiveness of Whoopi Goldberg and her eyes and her pain. So when she finally explodes, at the end of the movie and kind of finds yourself, it's shocking. Now, in a, this, but it's really, I didn't get any of that from this. It's really dark in the movie. And this one, because it's a musical, it gives you, and I saw the musical. I saw it in, in Hollywood with Fantasia as a lead. And Fantasia is one of my favorite artists of all time. I've told you this. I, no, I, I believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit because of Fantasia. She, she brings magic into every room. Seeing her live, if you were ever, However you can see her live, do it. It'll change your life. I have seen and, her live and I agree with you. And so the fact that she, that her performance or a version of her performance is captured on film is for the ages to see is I'm thrilled about and that they chose her. I thought oh, she's great. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. And I thought every performance actually was very good. I also I, think I, like I said, Brooks, Taraji B. Henson, I had no idea she had that in her. Yeah. She, I was really surprised at just how spectacular she was. And Danielle Brooks, who is from Orange is the New Black, she plays the character that Oprah played in well, the... Not, okay, but, but that's just... because I would have liked to have seen Oprah's version because people talk so much about it. To me, I didn't quite get the same effect that I think people had. It was even more effective. And I, I agree with what? you. I thought they, they jumped... No, no, the, the Oprah's was even more effective. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it's weird because it is for people who are kind of color purple files because there's a moment where the wife of Sophia, who's played by Oprah, comes to uh, Whoopi in the movie and says, how do I handle my wife? It's also in this musical. And she says, to get her to follow you, you need to beat her, which is what the Whoopi character, Celie's husband does to her, just horrifically. And so it's like the captive saying, you know, do what is done to me. And, but then there's this explosive scene, which was truncated in the, in this movie, in the musical where Oprah is just running across a field and rips open the sheets and goes, you told Hoppo to beat me. And it is this amazing skin curling moment. And they, instead of recreating that, they truncated it for the musical. So I get what you're saying. And okay, I don't. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know any of that. That 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 whole scene sort of flew past me. I don't really. The it, whole it, thing. It, it's a lot. It is a lot. It might be worth seeing again or, or watching those other things. I, I would say watch 
The Color Purple, which was criticized at the time. It's a beautiful film. And it's it's I need to read the book because people keep saying it, it does feel like this epic book. I think it's the first piece of of fiction, black fiction to win a Pulitzer Prize, you know, Alice Walker. And well, I you know, I, I will say that the one musical number that really stood out for me was the fantasy number where they fall in love and they are kiss, you know, yeah. Taraji and, and Fantasia kiss at the end of it. I thought that was just beautiful. And they're and that I, big record player and it's all. Yeah, I, I was, I actually had tears in my eyes during that. That was, that was spectacular. Our dear friend T.S. Madison is online talking a lot about how the black community that she's coalesces with or hears from, they're all angry about, the lesbianism that's portrayed in this, oh, for Christ which is really like, she goes, men beat each other. There's, there's just so much bad and, right. and hurt. There's like the raping 14 year olds. There's beating yes. your wife. And yes. that's what they get upset about. That's so, that's so. Exactly. Well, that's the times we live in. So that's the color purple in theaters now up for Academy Award consideration. And what have you? So I guess I got to go see it. I got to go also, see these Also Tom on own a three week event. Uh, the color purple interviews, oh. just so you know. Oh, interviewing I'm them watching all. now. Thank you. And Thank uh, you. purple color pancakes at the uh, at IHOP, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And Oprah right. has worn nothing but purple for the last three weeks, and she's on a Zempic. Okay. I love it. Number eight. Number eight. I went to took the family to Japan for Christmas. We went to Christmas, and um, so we we flew to Tokyo. And then immediately changed planes and flew to Sapporo, which is the big city in the Northern Ireland, uh, Northern Island, because we wanted to have a sort of snow, magical snow Christmas. And there was some snow, not a lot, um, but we did a lot of shopping and we were in the mall in the food court and we saw this stall for snow cheese. And there was, there was, it was like, I don't know, it was like two in the afternoon and they were packing everything up because everything had sold out. And there were just crowds milling around. And it was like, come back tomorrow morning. You can get in line at 9 o'clock. The mall <laughs> opens at 10 for snow cheese. So, yeah, being tourists, that's what we did. We came and, back and the next morning. And you know you love your cheese anyway. What well, makes snow cheese snow cheese? cheese. What is cheese. snow cheese, Thank I you. hear you ask? It sounds disgusting when I yes. describe it. Um, but it is cheese-flavored chocolate. Cheese-flavored chocolate. Now break that down for me again. Well, here's, here's why I've got to stop you, because when we think about we think that cheese and sweets don't go together, but what is cheesecake? What is a cheese Danish? Cheese is used in sweet things as a sort of baked good, right? Sure. Well, like a cream cheese, right? Yeah. yeah I don't well, eat those things, though. Cheesecake. What is cheesecake? You eat cheesecake, giants. I love cheesecake. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah I love exactly. cheesecake. So sweet. So snow cheese is like a chocolate and cheese mix. And here's, here's, I mean, it is so amazing to be able to show you, for those of you watching on our YouTube channel, to show you a snow cheese box because we actually got in line at 9 a.m. At 10 a.m. they opened the doors and we'd been standing in the wrong baked goods line. Ooh. So we had to go back and stand in the proper snow cheese line for another two hours and so how many hours altogether are you three hours in altogether and as we're approaching the stand because there were several lines we had to transfer from outside the stall to near the stall we finally make it to the final line and they start selling out of everything they're like <laughs> you know we're sold out of this so i have here a snow cheese it's so you know i loved it when we used to be in person and we could like like all taste something together but that's too bad. You can't do it. So they're going to unwrap a snow cheese. Um, look at this. Look at this, you guys. If I was on home shopping, I'd know how to do this. But it is a gorgeous cracker with the cheese on top. And it looks like a slice of Emmental cheese. And it's a delicious graham cracker with the chocolatey cheese on top. So it's just a chocolate graham cracker with cheese on it? With chocolate cheese, James. Oh. It's not just cheese, it's chocolate cheese. So it's not really cheese, it's chocolate that looks like cheese. Well, here's the thing. No, it is actually cheese-flavored chocolate. It is white cheese chocolate. and Or is it chocolate-flavored cheese? <laughs> or cheese-flavored chocolate. Yes, exactly. It's a delicious <laughs> hybrid. And here's what I can tell you, is that Hokkaido, which is the Northern Island of Japan, I didn't know this, 
is renowned for its dairy. And I was like, you know, dairy schmary, how great can it be? Ate some ice cream. It was the most delicious thing I'd ever eaten in my There is something about the cows up there. I tell you, the butter, the cheese, the ice cream, the milk. It's unlike anything I've ever tasted anywhere else in my life. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Oh, you mm. bitch. I'm so, I want to try it so bad. Come mm. over. My mouth is full. So we were very lucky and we got, they were limited, they were rationing it. And we got like two boxes each of the synergies, which we brought home as gifts, but have eaten them all. Ah, well, now, um, but Elliot, how does Elliot stand in line for three hours? Was, was... Elliot did not. It was Nolan and me standing in line. Oh, and okay, it was an interesting okay. moment because Nolan was kind of over the whole thing and was like, I'm on vacation. My vacation is disappearing, waiting in line. <laughs> and I was like, Nolan, it's Christmas. We're together. This is, Nolan, it's... this is something you will remember for the rest of your life, the time you stood in line for three hours for snow cheese. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what makes a snow cheese very special? There is only one store that sells snow cheese in all of Japan, and it is in Sapporo, in the basement of this mall in the Sapporo train station. Well, That's theoretically... So... Theoretically, there's only one store in the entire world then that sells snow. Exactly. Yes, I will. Yes, exactly. Well done. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. And um, and it's mobbed. People are just lining up. Geo series to me. Yes, desserts at the end of the world. Yes, for the one shop at the end of the world. Well, I wonder if if there are other things like snow cheese that there's just one place in the, the the world that like you could find different things there probably are but i think J- japanese in particular they do bake goods in a way that is because they're so beautifully packaged mm. and they're just so sort of insane about them actually i mean there were there were lots of different lines for these different products you know and it was christmas so everybody stands in line to get them to take them home to their families and what have you yeah interesting yeah. Snow, snow cheese Yes, snow, snow cheese. cheese, snow cheese. We'll give it a little jingle thing. Well, snow. actually, the snow stands for scent, natural, original wisdom. Hmm. Snow. Oh, Weird yeah. how the Japanese use English <laughs> to serve their evil marketing ends. <laughs> anyway, it's delicious. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Rubles Drag Race Season 16 premieres tonight. On Wow Presents Plus Worldwide, excluding USA, of course. You can watch it on MTV if you're in America. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Um, I wonder how many of our our listeners are not in America. Many. Yeah, at least half of the three. The who other listen. two. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and Charlize Theron is our extra special guest judge. How cool is that? Oh, spectacular. Oh, and the first episode streams for free on Wow Presents Plus. That's uh, right. Wowpresentsplus.com to sign up. Hey, I have a question for you guys. Yep. Good. How big in diameter is the New York City uh, New Year's Eve ball that drops in Times Square? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I, awesome, just, right? I was watching it. I thought I knew. Someone told me. I, they tell, They said it. Anderson well, and Andy it. told me. Well, let's see if you remember. It's a big ball for sure. We'll have the answer right after the break here on the Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I am Fenton Bailey here with Tom Campbell, James St. James, and Blake Jacobs. We're going down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. But first, the answer to Blake's teasing question. Yes, I asked the New Year's ball that drops in Times Square. How big in diameter is it? It was a new one this year, and it was 16 feet in diameter. I reckon that's uh, four feet. 20 mm-hmm. feet. 12 feet. Benson oh. 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 gives the closest without going over. You'd think it wouldn't be too hard to remember 12 feet, James. Why? 12, you know, 12 inches. It's oh, the, yeah. the size of all things that everybody wants. 
Uh, okay. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. And we've reached number seven. Number seven. On our beautiful holiday, um, away from the office. Thank you, Fenton. This year we didn't have to work on Christmas Day. Um, I went home for part of it, which we talked about off air. And then I just stayed home and watched TV. You know, big surprise. And usually I stream or I watch the Turner Classic Movies. You know this about me or the QVC. Well, I got hooked on, I think it's called Cozy TV. It's like one of those oh, me yes, TVs. Yes, yes. It's like and me TV. They yeah. show, and they show Cara Burnett. And I've seen them before, but they had on... And I'm going to lose Fenton. You can just go and do some errands. I'm going to lose. And maybe snow cheese. Mm. A show I have not seen since it originally ran in 1972 that I had such fond memories of. And it was Bridget Loves Bernie. Oh, yeah, sure. With Meredith Baxter. Bur- no, wait. Was it Meredith Baxter? Meredith Baxter and David Bernie. Yes. And it was about David Bernie was this, oh, uh, Adorable, and that's why I realized I was nine years old when it played. It aired between it was single camera. It was light comedy, romantic comedy. It it aired between All in the Family and the Mary Tyler Moore Show. So they had this primo shot. It did really, really well in the ratings, but it was taken off the air because uh, Jewish groups complained about the, um, the the stereotypical behavior. Also what? starring, also starring in it was. Audra Lindley, who became Mrs. Roper, sure, was, yeah. was was Bridget's rich mother, Mrs. Fitzgerald, and and is it David Doyle who played Bosley on? Yeah. Uh, he plays her father, and he's like this rich guy. And David Bernie and Bridget live in the uh, Jewish deli above her working class, his working class parents, who you know, and the uncle and the thing, and and it starts. Oh, wait, 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 is that wait? So you're saying that the um that the Jewish Trope. People were not happy with the way Jews were portrayed. The, in, in just the way they spoke, or the what? what, what? I don't know because I watch it and I think like, what a great, you know, it's it's a it's a sitcom, so they're going to play on tropes to a certain extent. But it was woke for its time, and it talked about different cultures. And and Bridget was always trying to learn how to be a better, you know, Jewish, you know, wife and all kinds of things. Wait, so but, so Meredith is like a wasp who marries a Jewish man. A Catholic who marries a Jewish man, yes, and, and her she comes from wealth and he comes from working class, and he's a writer. I always remember of this. Hold on, is that he had really good hair and oh. he had a lot of chest hair, and that's why I would I as a young boy his chest hair. Just- he sleeps in just pajama bottoms, and it is all just perfection. He's skinny. He's beautiful. His hair is fantastic. She is a thing of beauty together. They are the best looking two people who have ever been together. They're at the prime of their youth and their beauty. And they ended up getting married and stayed together for a lot of time. That's why I know he's married with Baxter Bernie. She eventually divorced him and came out as a lesbian. But, but this was the moment that they could not help but fall in love. And, you know, it's really kind of, you know, um, I didn't find it offensive, but you know, it's very, it's very typical kind of humor, but it would just always end with them like making out, you know, just like, oh, honey. And just like, oh my God, it's the best show ever. And the only last image I'll leave you with is he drives a cab during the day. He shares it with a black character. They actually cast a black character who I forget his name, forgive me, but he ended up, I Googled it. He was Dion Warwick's first husband. Anyway, they shared the cab and, and the, the black guy wrote it at night and David wrote it during the day. And, and David Bernie was an aspiring playwright. And so they shared the cab. But the whole show starts on black and a cartoon of a cab drives by and, and cleans off the screen. And it's all this beautiful, beautiful uh, images of New York in 1972. And it's by Douglas Kramer, who ended up partnering with Stephen, uh, with, with uh, um, Aaron Spelling. Aaron Spelling and did all that. But it was like this kind of like 60s romantic comedy. And they had shot all this uh, B-roll of them like riding in the park from far away. And they would dub scenes over it like, oh, what are you going to tell your mother? I don't know. What are you going to I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I would see things. There's one, there's one episode where they find a painting under a painting. That old trope. And and the 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 painting on top of the painting, the under one was worth something, was like of a duck. And I'm like, oh my god, I remember that painting, but only from 1972. Anyway, you know, on Cozy TV, I got sucked into a marathon of um, the girl with something extra, Sally <sighs> Field as has um, ESP and John and, Davidson. 
Yeah, t- yeah, and she's in love with she and John Davidson are married. And, also, yeah. a one season show, but it, like watching them as a binge. I, to me, it, to me, it could have lasted eight seasons, eight or nine seasons in my mind because I remember just seeing watching it. It was a big part of my childhood. I thought the girl was something extra was Tish Chavez. I thought what? that was like, I thought that's where it came from. <laughs> no, it's about a girl with psychic powers. I don't know which came first, like like chocolate or cheese or cheese or chocolate. I don't know which came first. But they both exist. All right, so that's on Cozy TV. It just then, brought back such fond memories. It just tapped parts of my brain that have not been tapped in in in. Twitter. And it sounds like Cozy TV is a channel, a retro channel. It is, and there's a lot of like catheter ads and things like that on it. It's really for old people. <laughs> Ads are getting much, yes, you know, depends on what have you. Number six, James. Number six. Number six, I watched Maestro. It was another clunker as far as I was concerned. Um, Carrie Mulligan is spectacular. She's very good. She's always very good. Bradley Cooper was acting and he was cigarette acting. His cigarette deserves the Academy Award because it was waving all around all the time. Um, I was uh, uh, distracted because I thought Bradley Cooper with his prosthetic nose looked like Barry Manilow. I thought it was, I would get confused and think it was the Barry Manilow story for most of the time. Um, a lot not of people, that different. Not that different. Not that different of a nice. story. Um, a lot of people were saying that the major problem with it was there was no conflict in the screenplay, and essentially the conflict is is that uh, uh, Bradley Cooper doesn't have an Oscar, and Bradley Cooper wants an Oscar, and so Bradley Cooper is going to write himself a, a, a story arc that gives him an Oscar. So the and, conflict is outside; it's a meta sort of thing. Yes, yeah, and you could say that the, that the conflict is that she grows weary of her husband's narcissistic. Uh, behavior and flagrant bisexuality, but she knows that going into it so that by the end, uh, spoiler, when she screams, you're going to die an old queen all alone. That, that, that's the big, you know, revelation, but it's not a revelation. She's known all along who he is. I don't know. Um, uh, And she takes accountability in the film for it even. Yeah. I just, I, you know, in the, the other problem with it is that Leonard Bernstein is, was a legend and a genius and a fascinating person and a fascinating character. And I would have liked to have seen more of his story of, of West side story of on the town of his, of his, uh, his career. And they skip over his career very much to me. The, very, the, the most interesting part was the fantasy sequence with the sailors from on the town. I yeah. liked that, but it's just their relationship. And you do, I don't know. I, I wish they would have concentrated more on his James, you know I love you, and I usually respect your point of view. And I hate to say this, but I agree entirely with you on this one. Um, No, because I I saw it with my sister, and she was like, I I liked it. I mean, there's nothing bad about it, right? It's actually there sequence by sequence. It's beautifully directed. It's it's, beautifully shot. Yes. Oh my god, and and she's quite something, and he's not bad, but I, but it just, yeah, it felt very like I left not knowing. Not feeling like I learned anything. There's the spoiler alert. The other um, scene is where there are rumors going around that their children are now old enough. One of the daughters is old enough to sort of hear rumors about her father having sex with men. And she comes and the, the mother's like, talk to your daughter about it. And and she, I think she tells him to say to deny it. Right. Or does he just decide he, she tells him deny it. So but he goes. I think, but I think he I think you see him. Uh, he does deny it and it's shocking and it was just it was just such a wrong message go, go, keep going i'm sorry it's not like it was a message i think it's i mean if i'm assuming it happened and that it was still it shows that even with this open relationship which on some ways it was this understanding that they had that that she didn't want her daughter to know it there was still shame in it to mm-hmm. her and that the daughter goes dad is it true and he's like no it's not true you're and jealous she, everybody's jealous and the daughter is so relieved and it just speaks, I thought it was a profound scene because it just speaks to how people want the lies. It's how people can think Liberace was straight. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, it's not a good message. It's just like, because, because, and there's two things, good and bad, which is like, you realize, because I'm so myopic about my own lifetime, but it's like, 
people have been gay throughout history and they found ways to deal with it. And this was one way to deal with it in society in New York was like marry a beard wife, right? And it doesn't invalidate their relationship or make them any less of a couple, but it's like, that's how they made it work. But even within that society, pressure, blah, 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 caused people to sort of turn each other. You're you're much more forgiving, I think, than I am about those things, because to me, I think that the lie was worse than the feeling of. But that's why that scene to me is the one that stood out as like, holy shit, this is like, yeah, that was the conflict. But it took it wasn't the conflict the whole movie, but it's how terrible it must have been to as as a father to like lie to your child and know that your child is relieved that you aren't. Yeah, I'm not not terrible sort of of them. Yeah. But but I think that he's such a narcissist that I don't think that it uh, that I I think right. that it was for him just I'm doing what I have to do to keep her love and keep her respect because that's the most important thing to me rather than the truth. Right. And I talk about you know my friend Johnny was married to a very prominent man in New York who was very involved in the in the Metropolitan Museum and he was a gay man and chose to live his life as a gay man. He's kind of a contemporary, but maybe a little bit younger than, than, uh, than Maestro. Um, but, you know, he never chose to marry. And that's sort of what kept, he had a ceiling oh. at the Met. He could never be the head of the Met because you needed to have a wife who was going to have the luncheons, who was going to do the hunt, who was gonna do the hunt, the hunt, the hunt. And that was, you know, very much in our lifetime. So it's got, we got to move on, but it's crazy to say, I think that ceiling still exists actually. I, I I do believe that that's true that that you do need a, a power wife to for a lot of mm. of those types of things. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? Uh, I have not. I you know it came out to enormous acclaim, and then everyone I respect and value, like you two, has just said it's a real bore. And I believe you know Oscar bait movies seem to arrive with this fanfare that it's the most amazing thing, and then in reality. It's like, mm, no, they're not. They're actually desperately seeking uh, awards. <laughs> That's what well, they're you really... know, I, Benton, I would suggest then that you watch maybe the first 45 minutes and see if it, if it hooks right. you. Because it, it is, it's, like I say, it's beautifully shot and beautifully acted by Carrie. Mm. And, All right, uh, I'm watch it. Yeah. I'm, Bradley Cooper's fine. All right, so number five. Number five. I'm in, uh, in Japan. And what do you do if you're in Japan and you're in Tokyo? You go on a day trip to Mount Fuji. Because we've all seen Mount Fuji. It is a universal icon. And it's just one of those things in life that to actually go to it. Because I was like, who wants to go to Mount I mean, I've seen the mountain. You can see it from Tokyo. How much better can it get? I mean, other than bigger. Uh-huh. I, you know, <laughs> But it was truly amazing. And, the and how do you go up the mountain? No, didn't even go. Well, actually, yes. Yeah, right. So what happened is, first we took a train, then we took a bus, and we started out at the Hakone Shrine, which is like one of those Shinto shrines by one of the lakes with the lovely Tory gates, you know, the big red things on stilts with a lintel on top. And it's amazing. People in Japan are just so... The place is immaculately clean and people are so immaculately well behaved. They don't shout in public. They don't carry on. And they line up in front of this shrine to take a selfie. And everybody is very respectful. Everybody takes their moment. There's no like people who are hogging or pushing or trying. It it was like we waited for an hour. Don't you wish that America could have Japanese civility? I really do. And, you know, one of the things they say about, you know, there's no trash on the street and you're and you're one day you're like, where do I put my Starbucks cup? And you realize there are no trash cans on the street. And that that was the strategy. They were so fed up with dirty streets, they removed all the trash cans and shamed everyone into taking their trash with them and having less trash. So you don't eat in public, you don't eat, you know, you're not like Anna Wintour wandering around with a Starbucks cup. You 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 have your Starbucks in the coffee shop and deal with your cup there. And if you don't, you have to carry it with you until you get to the office or wherever. I imagine you, they don't have a rat problem like you haven't. Right. Before. No rat no. problem either. But back to Mount Fuji. So beautiful. And then from the shrine, we took a, a, a funicular. Ra- we took another we took another bus, then a funicular railway and then a cable car. And this is a, a, at this point, we've probably been traveling for about three hours and like. 
And the, 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 the guide who was with us said, no, really, this is the reason why you came. And you crest on the cable car and suddenly you're above the caldera of this active volcano. And there is sulfurous smoke bubbling up. I mean, and, and, and the floor of the uh, cable car is um, a grill to let the air pass through because otherwise you might suffocate on sulfurous mm. gases. So I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea it was still happening. Yeah, yeah. And well, three hours leading up was known like my entire vacation is disappearing in front there of my There was mind. a little bit of tension. <laughs> we had mellowed out at the shrine, but it still wasn't quite enough to get us from the bottom up to this elevated part, which still isn't the top. I mean, it's like, it's sort of like a mini volcano on the way. I mean, it's so big. It's so big. It contains multitudes of volcanoes. And even though you're at this peak, you look over and there's Mount Fuji in the distance, massive. And you've, you know, you've only gone a tiny, teeny bit of the way. Um, they also have Mordor. Yes. I mean, it was Lord of the Ringsian. It really was in its uh-huh. grand. And, and, um, and you're at the, the, the peak right there with, with that, that peak. And you look out over onto Tokyo. How high up are you? Is it? Yeah, yeah you can look out onto Tokyo. But you also look out onto and up to Mount Fuji, yeah, the, the yeah, rest the of Mount yeah. Fuji. And um, you can buy, um, the thing is that they boil eggs in the hot springs. And these eggs are, they come out of it black. Um, and uh, you, everybody buys these eggs. Um, I actually don't have one with me. Um, they're good for the Instagram. Um, <laughs> didn't actually eat it. But if you do eat the egg, you will it live it for another seven years. You get seven years extra life if you eat just boiled. seven. Just seven years and you're done. Is that yeah, it? You're only supposed to eat one egg. You're not supposed okay. to. Eat, you have to buy four, but you're only supposed to eat one. I guess you share them or something, whatever. Are you? Is it sulfuricy tasting the the egg? Well, here's the thing. We got the eggs, and I used them to take photographs for for Instagram. And then I forgot to eat them. And if you don't eat the boiled egg in like two days and you don't put it in the fridge, you could basically live a lot less than seven <laughs> extra years. Seven hours. So we didn't get to eat the eggs, unfortunately. Wow. Anyway, that, so that's some... Um, I travel someplace exotic. That was an incredible story. Really do recommend it. It's just, it's just, spec- it's just spectacular and so peaceful and beautiful and... Going up the, the 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 top of the mountain was in the clouds and and I thought oh that sucks because you've traveled four hours and you don't get the iconic view but then the clouds cleared and it was like quick take the pictures and I think That's it's safe to say because you're here but you didn't deal with uh, earthquake or missed the earthquake thankfully yes and that was in northern Japan wasn't it so that um, was no it was like weird. west of Tokyo it oh was on west. The, on okay, the, okay on the west coast of Tokyo and Tokyo is on the east coast so. Yes, and sorry to hear that there's uh, like quite a high death penalty. You know, a lot of people yeah, died in that. The and then, earthquake you know, situation in Japan, I just, I, my heart breaks for them for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah, and then of course the, the air crash that followed it, which is t- terrible as yeah. well. Terrible. All right, let's take a quick break, Blake. Stasi Schroeder from Vanderpump Rules. It's been revealed she is a distant cousin of someone who was all over the news over this past holiday break. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Oh, oh, I know. You're we'll never right going to believe it. Back after the break with the answer here on the Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And um, you got a question? I did. Stassi Schroeder from Vanderpump Rolls. It's been revealed she is a distant relative of someone who has been all over the news over this past holiday break. Who is it, James? You know. I know. It has to be Donald Trump because the news over the break was that he poos his pants. That's that- news? Hey. Hey. Putin. Uh, Putin. No, it's Gypsy Rose Blanchard, right? It is, um, yes. Yes. Who, bless her heart, I did not know the Gypsy Rose Blanchard story, but I am just 
fascinated with every movie. Did you see today that when she was um, posting about her husband's dick is fire and he gives I it did, to her every yes. night? I did. I just, I... Oh, girl, I'm glad you're living your best life, but do oh. I need to know? I know. She's a few years behind on social media. She'll catch up on the etiquette soon. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go, wow, we've reached number four, Tom. Number four. I can talk about resolutions. That's so passe. But I just wished for all of us freedom from this tense world, escape from this tense world, based on these little tiny observations I made. On One is celebrity related, so it'll get better. On my now, when I get on flights, because I am very happy flyer, and I'm just like you know, I remind people on my flight, like when things get delayed or whatever, I'm go. You used to like freeze in in the Rockies, crossing America in a covered wagon. You know, you get you know, you'd have diphtheria. You would you would you would uh, you know give birth and die in breech birth. You'd have to and, eat your fellow passengers. Yes, all those things. So it's like you know what the fact that I woke up in one city and go to sleep in another city, um, but someone's seat had to change. And it was, I was flying JetBlue, so it's not that fancy, but it was in the extra seat part. You know, you spent a little money on it. And somebody brought a dog, but the, the, the wife of this doctor was allergic. Anyway, this changing of seats, people were like, I refuse and I won't move. And it got calmed down, but I, the, the, I was just, I wanted to like throw hundreds at the flight attendant because she was handling this incredibly tense situation and how quick we are to snap and be crazy. Mm. Okay, escape that one. And then I come back to LA and on Hollywood Boulevard, Ian Zerling from 90210 fame. Um, yes. <laughs> it's funny to watch, which is the sad part, but he is surrounded by little mini bike, bank, bike gang of bikes. And, and they're not little people, but they look like little people because they're on little mini bikes. And they somehow surround his car. And, and you know, out of context, you just see him beating up on them, them beating up on him. But it's like girls and boys. And, and he's got this, you know, X6 BMW. It's just not a good look. And someone said, is it staged? It's like, it's not staged because nobody comes out looking good on it. And it's like, ah, kind of fighting. And why did, why were they attacked? It brings me to TMZ, and he was not provoked, according to two of the bikers. They were within their thing, and he just have just had a really bad day. I'm thinking, like, what Wait, if Ian I... had a bad day, or yeah. they? Ian, Ian oh. just went off on them, and Ian's daughter was in the car, and she he crosses Hollywood Boulevard. He's like, you know, I, again, my back hurts just looking at it. But he's like fighting them and pushing them. They still have their helmets on, so they're, it feels like a Star Wars kind of thing. And last but not least, so I went to see Color Purple at the Grove uh, last night, which was a weeknight, so it wasn't too bad. And my friend Greg and I, he wanted to walk around, so we went into Barnes & Noble. Everyone was buying um, Screen Age. And, um, and, and, and all of a sudden, we're just looking at stuff. Um, there was this one employee who confronted this one guy who had stuff in the back, but it ended up his whole face was covered in, like, masks and, and, and scarves. And then Stealth at the Beverly uh, Grove – um, security guard, security guard, security guard, security guard, security guard, security guard. And I was like, let's get out of here. And I've just never had, in my, my friend Greg was like, what are you doing? I'm like, go, 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 go. I just don't want to find out what weapon that person has. I don't live in paranoia, but I just felt like this is unsafe. And what was really impressive was this army of mall guards, <laughs> of mall police coming forward. But, you know, there's there's all these smashing hills and... I, I agree with you that in the, in today's world, that when I start, if I start seeing ten security guards, twelve f- flashing lights, I am where is the exit? Get me out yep. of here! I do not need to be involved in whatever is going to happen next. And I think that it, uh, you know, it, I do when I when I go to the theater, I look to see where the closest exit is. I I do that yep. now, and I never did it before. But with like you said, with the smash and grabs and all that stuff that's happening everywhere why put yourself in the middle of those things it's so the pandemic is rage that's what it is right a lot yeah. of things yeah that's part rage demic yes and people feel free to act out and i listen i watch on tv and i feel like it's propaganda to an extent it's really happening but like la is a terribly city to live in it's like i love it here but you know once your bubble and my bubble has not been popped yet my bubble of safety or the illusion of safety but I, I want to keep it that way. But I just, I just no. But I'll tell you something. Uh, even at World of Wonder, our one—I mean, our 
fabulous, fabulous security guy, Danny, who is mm. who is the nicest guy on the planet. He says on a daily basis, he deals with people getting, you know, he has to break up fights and people fighting in front of the building. and th- So the, the bubble isn't as big as you think it is. No, the not bubble, at all. Not the at bubble all. is right there and it is on Hollywood Boulevard. And thank God we have someone wonderful like Danny to-, to We actually to have four there. people. I just want, I want to think that yeah, we have- no, But I, I do remember uh, when the store was open, all of a sudden there was a giant crash and Danny came rolling in with another guy and they were both fighting on the ground and rolling into the- like, like it was just, I was like, oh my God, I ran upstairs and got Beth. And um, Danny said, no, that happens every day. Like, it's just, it's part of his job, you know? I mean, and like, Beth came downstairs and she beat the shit out of the guy. <laughs> so the message is peace in the new year, right? Yes. Calm the fuck down, right? Yes. Or have an yeah. escape route ready. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Number three, James. Number three. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Have you guys all seen it? I haven't yet. Oh, okay. Well, it's really it's long, right? It's really, really long. Three and a half hours. Okay. And at one point, I um, I thought, okay, we got to be at two hours, and I was at forty-five <laughs> minutes. And another point, I was like, okay, it's got to be almost over with, and I was like, in an hour and twenty minutes. Like it is a long movie, but Lily Gladstone is deserves every award that she's she's gotten 24 awards so far this season and she's on a streak and nobody's going to top her nobody's going to stop her she is a revelation she is so good lily gladstone is an osage woman who um marries uh leonardo dicaprio's character and she is so self-possessed and so calm and just it just the her, the way she just projects it's just fascinating to watch she's even though she understands inherently that he is a terrible person she still falls in love with him she calls him coyote she's in she's speaking in, in um native in her tongue and she's in her language and she keeps calling him you coyote you're 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 my coyote but she doesn't call him a wolf or a fox she understands that he's a bottom feeder like just you know he's he's just scum is what he is but she loves him anyway and it's this weird dichotomy that you can never quite figure out unfortunately she spends the last half of the movie um on her sickbed dying and it's a shame because the first half she is so full of fire and life and so even though it's it's like a very calm fight it's so weird to explain her performance but it it pulls you in Leonardo DiCaprio is a scumbag in such a way it's so he does it so well that you walk away thinking that's probably what he's really like in real no. life because he, <laughs> he he just taps into it so well um Robert De Niro is menacing in a really quiet way that is terrifying and I feel like my grandfather was like that character like everything I know about my grandfather I watch that and I just think that's what my grandfather was like. It's very, it's, it was very unnerving for me to watch because just the, the way he controls the city and the way he controls everybody around him with just this quiet menacing, tr- but, but I trying, but pretending to be the good guy. It's just fascinating, fascinating, fascinating to watch. And I had no idea, first of all, about the Osage murders. I didn't know about this p- part of our history and, um, you know, there were 30, 40, 50 murders of Osage County uh, Native Americans that were never solved. And um, uh, what it happens was is that the Osage, uh, uh, the, the Osage Native Americans um, found oil on their on their land and they became per capita, per square foot, the richest people on the planet Earth. Okay, this small town had more oil on it and they owned the rights to it. So they were the richest population on the in the entire planet, more than Paris, more than London, more than, you know, anywhere. And so all of a sudden, all the white men came in to exploit that and they were all trying to marry the women so that they would get the land rights. And that's why everyone kept dying was because everyone wanted it was killing them to get the land rights oh. for this oil. 
And um, it, uh, question, it's, bottom line, bottom line, do you recommend this movie? Yes, yes, it's fascinating. And, and it's something, I, like I said, I didn't know the story. I didn't know that this, that this happened. I mean, I, you know the atrocities that, that we have committed upon, you know, our Native it's, American. You learn something. And uh, so probably win some Oscars. I think it will. I, she will definitely win it out. She will definitely win. All right. That's Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, available for rent now, actually. Um, number two. Number two. A Murder at the End of the World. I wouldn't normally watch this, but I heard such great things about it. Everyone was like, like it's so amazing. And after about the first of what seemed like interminable number of hours long episodes, I was like, this is complete rubbish. Oh. It's it's um it's sort of a knives out sort yeah. of only murders in the building. If only it were only murders in the building, because only murders in the building is funny and clever and meta, and this is earnest and dull and emo and miserableist, and it, it it's just like how can you take yourself seriously when you're at a billionaire's retreat in the arctic with supposedly the brightest minds on the planet um in a race against global warming already you're in a sort of redonkulous sort of parody of a situation but it's so earnest and dull and who's in it oh brit marling is she did the oa with uh zal batman gilsh batman gilsh um and she did I mean, her story is an interesting story in her emergence as a as a sort of a writer, actor, superstar, because she and Zal and another guy, they moved to L.A., they met at Georgia University, they had no money, they were trying to get jobs, they couldn't get jobs, so they thought, fuck it, let's just do our own thing, wrote two films, shot them, both got into Sundance, and off they go. And, you know, it's an amazing success story, and the People love the OA. I've never seen it. It's on Netflix, the OA. Um, but I thought this was just awful. And uh, but I kept on watching it because everyone had said it was so good. And and so you know, there are all these characters, they're supposed to be super smart, but they kind of just seem stupid, really. And they're sort of diverse in a way that you can just tell someone said, You need to we need a gay in a wheelchair, we need a non-binary person with purple hair. We need an. I mean, it was just like the uh-huh. algo. The algo did all this. It, it um, is Mad Libs for uh, <laughs> diversity. <laughs> like it felt like you know, the uh, leave the world behind felt like that way to me. It just felt like everyone takes bits and pieces of things and think that that because and they all come from sort of like sort of meme viral culture or woke diverse culture and then they think you put them all together and you got a movie or you've you got, got a cover. You got covered. And it was just boring. And um, I, I spoiler alert, but you know, so so there's a murderer in their midst. We're on the Orient Express. We're at a zillionaire's retreat. We're, you know, contained environment. Murderer in their midst. Com- plot is so full of holes. I I just couldn't I couldn't credit it. I just couldn't believe the things that were happening that we were supposed to take seriously as real drama with people in jeopardy. Of course, stupid things happen in Murders in the Building, but that's the whole point. And they're all in on the joke. But this was deadly earnest. And um, and uh, it made me very cross. <laughs> we just got <laughs> yourself a favor and watch A Little Bridget Loves Bernie. It'll put you back on the right track. I think I need to. The, the best bit was they the, 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 the amateurs Generation Z sleuth decides to go out with a woman and find they go out into a mega storm is approaching. So of course they've got to go into it and they put on these suits that are like designed for outer space. So they're going to be okay. Right. So they set off into the storm on the back of a snowmobile to find someone who was sending Morse code to someone else. Uh, How you're going to find someone in the wilderness in an approaching storm who was sending Morse code the night before Makes no sense. And of course, they don't find anyone. So they have to go back. And when they're going back, the snowmobile runs out of gas. Well, okay. But I thought you were in suits that you could survive on Mars. So it doesn't matter, does it? 
that you're in a mega storm approaching and you're snowboarding. But no, they somehow get a car that just happens to be out there in the middle of the wilderness. And then they crash the car because they're driving too fast because they're trying to outrun the storm. But then the driver of the car dies because she ends up being hermetically sealed in her helmet and they can't get it off. But in the previous scene, when they were driving, they'd taken their helmets off. It was just like, no, don't insult me. This makes no sense. Um, and oh, sorry. Yes, it turns out that the murderer is the AI bot. Yeah, but, you know, the AI <laughs> person. Who's, of course, yes. Who's there to help everyone. And there's a ridiculous scene where they go to the center of the server room and it's a giant place and they have to light a fire or something to... It's just like really... I was going to give this movie a rating and the rating is don't fuck with Fenton. (laughs) Do you know what it was like? It was like that Uncanny Valley thing. You know where Uncanny Valley is like everything's computer generated and it's almost human, but something is really off about it. Like when Tom, when you went on the ride at Universal, you know, you're... And it just something... I don't know what's going on. Like it feels like lots of stuff is being written by algorithms or chat gpt because it just doesn't just feel like chat gpt yes i understand that exactly yeah slightly wrong in a way that is really isn't like oh well that's a bit weird it's like really makes you makes you angry like enraged maybe it's supposed to and then you go on planes yeah then i'm yeah, then you're on a plane on Hollywood Boulevard and you beat up mini bikers. It's all you part know. of the master plan. That's what's well, happening. Like you, I had heard so many fantastic things about it, and now I will not watch it. You've you've changed. You've you've. Well, what's some of it? Tell me what you think. Maybe you disagree. Maybe I've lost my mind. Well, that's that's, that's entirely that's possible. possibility. Yeah, you know, I have the solution here. Drink House of Love cocktails. There are three new flavors available at houseoflovecocktails.com. You can get them by ordering them. There's a vodka citrus, vodka soda citrus. Um, that's 100 calories. Yes. There is a passion fruit margarita, um, also 100 calories. 100 calories tequila, baby. And for those who don't drink, a totally tropical mocktail, perfect for dry January. Totally tropical, non-alcoholic, has some mm. I mean, I think the cans just look so delicious, um, but the contents is pretty juicy too. And you can get them at houseoflovecocktails.com. Nice. We put a little bit of love in every can. So Drink responsibly, Hanny. <laughs> All these slogans have been thought up by the wonderful, amazing, genius Tom Campbell. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hold your applause. Hold your applause. <laughs> one more break, and then we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. This episode is as long as the killers of the flower moon, says Blake. So we better get on with it, I guess. Running <laughs> down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number one. What is it? Number one. I just oh. wanted to talk a little bit about um, well, my New Year's and then see what you guys did over New Year's as well. I had a friend in town from New York that uh, I have been sort of taking around and showing him things and doing things. And when it came time for New Year's Eve, I didn't have any plans. I didn't know what to do. And he said that he saw that Lady Bunny was spinning at uh, something called the Bev Center. And he said, is that a concert hall? And I said, no, it's a mall. The Beverly Center. The Beverly Center. So we decided to go and check it out. Now, it you'd think the Bev Center, like what? What it would be in the middle? Like what? Where? So we went and there was no. We were wandering through the empty mall at like eleven o'clock at night. There was nobody in the mall. Like literally, it was like Day of the Dead. It was totally like zombies could have gotten us at any moment. We heard music way up. Like we were trying to follow the music. It was in the food court area. Okay. That they had turned into a very classy supper theater that was um, run by Brandon Voss, who does a lot of, you know, drag race, uh, you know, parties and things like that. So Brandon, bless his heart, got us in, got us in. The tickets were $125. We swooshed in without paying. 
Woo! So, uh, but it was. Uh, You've so, never paid, James. You no, know, you know, you know, but this, I didn't. I all, all I said was, um, James St. James, I'm on the list. And all of a sudden, people came out of the woodwork and like, James, of course, Brandon. Hey, da, 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 da. So that was very sweet. Uh, but um, uh, there was a, a, a burlesque show. There was a very classy burlesque show. There was uh, male strippers. There were drag queen performances, lip syncs. Then Bunny, they cleared all the tables out, and Bunny DJed, and everyone danced. And then Aubrey O'Day came on and sang. Well, Bunny said to me, do you know who Aubrey O'Day is? And I said, yes, she was on the hills. She was on the, the real oh, no. thinking Audrina Patridge. Oh. And so I kept saying, yes, I'm so excited. I loved her on the hills. And I must have said that about a dozen times throughout the night. And nobody corrected me until I found out that she was part of Danity Kane. Well, I've never heard of Danity Kane in my life. Do, do you have a first kit, first aid kit handy? Do do you have a first aid kit handy? Yes, damaged. My love is damaged. That's oh, not a song you're making. This is like that. That uh, it's the color purple, <laughs> and the birds are singing. You're just making it up as you go along. Anyway, what did you guys do over New Year's? I was in bed by 8.30. I went to sleep. I went to bed really early, too. <laughs> well, that's what we... I think that Tom is playing. Chat GPT and put in song about a first aid kit. Happy New Year, everyone. That's all we got time for this week on The Wow Report. You can catch previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. And God willing, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow.